I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Today we have a special guest who is actually a second time guest, friend of the show. Last time we chatted with him, he was the CEO of Where Malcolm. He's now since moved on up and is the chairman at Where Malcolm. Please help me welcome Lawrence Armstrong. Larry, thanks for joining us again. Oh, absolutely. Glad to be here, Demetrius. And uh, Jason, good to see you again and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. So, Larry, we chatted uh, briefly prior to Hit and Record about this series that we're doing about the workplace evolution was actually brought up by a listener who was interested in, you know, post-COVID, what is happening to the workplace. Uh, They're a leader in their firm and, you know, managing a team and trying to figure out the landscape of how do you move forward in all of this, considering these waves of Delta variant and what could possibly happen in the future. We had a previous guest, uh, Evelyn Lee, who talked a lot about the difference between hybrid work, all in office and uh, completely remote work. And we wanted to chat with you in particular with where Malcolm, you guys do a lot of office place, uh, workplace design what does it look like on from the design perspective of what your clients are asking about, what they're looking to implement, and how you guys are sort of navigating through this whole thing? 
Sounds great. It's a it's a big question. And it's <laughs> one that's uh, definitely been evolving through this uh, last uh, year and a half or so. And uh, looking forward to watching it continue to evolve over the next probably a couple of years as we hopefully fade out of this uh, pandemic. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So before we jump right into that, I just wanted to uh, first say congratulations on the, uh, I guess, step up into the chairman seat and position. So congratulations on that. And, and what's the, the difference there for you? Yeah. So thanks. Thank you very much. Um, well, it's, you know, it's been something we've been working on for actually several years and, um, you know, we've felt always that, uh, it's very important to have a succession plan in our company and plan for the future. Uh, and, you know, so that smooth transitions can take place without disrupting the business. So the end of December of 2019, uh, is when we made the transition as of January 1st, 2020. And uh, I appointed a new CEO and a new president. Both those titles I held for many years and I was CEO for 28 years for the firm. And um, it, was, it was time to transition. And so provides some great opportunities, obviously in our company for, for people to uh, advance in their careers, uh, and those actually coming up behind our, our new leaders, Ken and Ken Wink and Jay Tedisco. And it's a great time for me. I think these transitions, I sort of say, look, you have to start a transition or you never or, or you'll never finish it. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um, for me though, after being CEO for 28 years, uh wow. chairman's a great job. Awesome yeah. job. <laughs> because I'm not really running the company. You know, on a day-to-day basis, I'm sort of advising our leaders. Really, most of my communication is contained to those, you know, few top leaders of the company and more around big picture topics mm-hmm. and uh, and just helping them and guiding them wherever they need it and trying to stay out of the way otherwise. Yeah. And so I've reduced my time here a little bit each year over the last several years. And now I'm I'm about... 50 percent here uh, which is great which gives me time to work on some of my other pursuits uh, such as homelessness and uh in my art career and other things so i was totally going to ask about painting so i'm glad to hear that you're still doing that i still like seeing the the pieces that you do so it's great yeah thanks it's uh i've been very busy with that uh, with the art and uh exhibiting uh in all kinds of places um all over europe and the east coast It's been uh, actually very busy, so it's been good. Yeah. Now back to the subject at hand. When COVID hit, um, can you kind of walk me through what that transition was like for you guys and as architects? How did you absorb that situation? Where did your mind go as far as the work that you guys were producing, the changes that clients were sort of experiencing? Because I know I was in the middle of projects where – uh, some of my clients' complete business structure shifted because of COVID, and going forward, they decided to sort of continue down that process of the way that their business had changed, which affected the design of the space. Can you talk a little bit about that transition for you guys as architects and sort of how that may have impacted your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
in commercial real estate, it's a cyclical business anyway. And so um, obviously we are in the middle, of, right in the middle of peak times uh, before the pandemic um, and a lot going on all over the company and within the industry. The pandemic obviously threw everybody for a loop a little bit and became much more than anybody expected and very quickly. And so um, what we found was we had, uh, especially with regard to commercial office space specifically, I think projects that were going for the most part kept going. Uh, we had uh, several go on hold, you know, several projects went on hold, you know, and so it affected our workload in our interiors uh, groups across the country. But at the same time, and then our own firm, you know, we'd been experimenting for many years with remote work and we were doing it mostly from a real estate sort of a strategy, you know, uh, instead of continuing to take bigger and bigger office spaces, we were trying and, and our employees were telling us also they wanted to try to work from home from at times. And, and so we were experimenting with that in a couple of groups around the country and, and our IT. Prior to COVID? Yes, in our, for at least a couple of years. And our IT department had been working on the support systems for the, to make sure those, you know, we could be uh, functional and, and uh, um, efficient. So as we got into the pandemic and then all of a sudden offices were closing and everyone was converting to work from home, our, our firm uh, transitioned within the matter of a week uh, wow. to work from home. We were fully set up. Our IT department was awesome, and we just kept going, and it was awesome. They did a great job. Uh, the employees did a great job. The IT, our IT support, uh, our leadership, all did a great job keeping us going and, and really continuing to be productive. We had several clients that actually increased business all during the pandemic, so we actually grew um, the last couple of years uh, pretty strongly. But um, with specifically to uh, office space, we had all kinds of scenarios going on. Um, some clients just sort of stopped doing anything. Some just renewed their lease for a year, right? There's a lot of that going on. Just, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, our lease is up. We'll just renew for a year until we get past this and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot of that that happened like at the onset. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, of course, it evolved after that. But, you know, at the onset, that was kind of the situation we were in. Okay. Just really not not fully understanding what was going to happen, whether the bottom was going to drop, drop out or, or you know, if this was going to be a short-term thing, you know. Yeah. Once we started to understand that this was going to be a long-term thing or, you know, somewhat long-term thing, what sort of happened to the spaces that you guys were working on or coming down the pipeline? Did those, did the design start to evolve and, and how was that panning out? Yeah, big time. Uh, you know, it was very interesting that, um, well, we have a, uh, a workplace strategy group in our company that sort of is part of our interiors group. And, you know, they do a lot of research and try to understand you know, what's happening and why and what the best solutions are. And so early on, they jumped into this to really figure out, okay, so people are working at home. How can we support that better? What is necessary in an office? And, you know, I think that where we're 
kind of ending up after a lot of discussion and research is we'll find out in two couple of more years. But this may well be pretty permanent where team members want to work from home sometimes and the company needs to be able to support that. And then when they come to the office, it's more for specific reasons, such as collaborative efforts. So uh, or maybe some focus time and some focus meetings. So, you know, the idea of collaborative space as a, uh, a bigger piece of, a, of, a, of an office uh, environment uh, becomes more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, assigned desks become less important, right? So there's new cleaning protocols and new protocols having to do with not having personal things at your desk <laughs> uh, so that you can be flexible when you come to the office three days a week or two days a week, whatever it is, you take a desk that isn't necessarily always your desk, right? Assigned. So these are, you know, for some companies, um, these are big shifts. Uh, For other companies, this was an idea that was already had been in play before the pandemic and, and certain companies were experimenting with these sorts of things already. So I think the good news is the ideas were already there. And then we were sort of all forced into <laughs> uh, adopting and adapting to these kinds of things. So, you know, I think right now every company is different. Every culture is different. Uh, things are, the rules are different as you go across the United States or around the world. Uh, you know, they're a little different. So I think what our, our workplace strategists have come to is it really takes uh, a discussion with each company to first understand what their culture is, what their work is, how they work, how their employees are, the culture of their employees themselves, because I think that has a big, a lot to do with it. You know, where they are, uh, you know, are they in Texas or are they in South Dakota? Or are they in California? Or are they in New York? Those things have a huge bearing on, you know, for example, how many people are in their office, come to the office. Even within our firm, we've seen differences about, you know, how many people want to come to the office? Uh, we have some offices that are basically full. And people, you know, they love working together. They love seeing each other. They love the environment. And so they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll probably take advantage of the opportunity to work from home sometimes because it's convenient, you know, with everything else they've got going on in their life. But then we have other offices, I think, the attendance in the office is going to be less, you know, the, you know, depending on where they are because of, you know, traffic and commutes and that sort of thing, and, <laughs> yeah. or just the rules, <laughs> yeah. you know, people don't like to sit in the office all day with a mask on. So, you know, they have a tendency <laughs> to work more from home. Right. Yeah. And so when we get past all the masks and all the rules and, you know, then we're going to see the effect on, companies, how they're working, uh, what employees want, you know, and, and real estate strategies, yeah. you know, for companies. So it's, it's a very interesting time um, and it's evolving as we go here. I was curious as you're describing some of these things and saying there's some companies that were kind of already leaning that way to being remote, others more. Do you see it as, as kind of like a, is there an age demographic that goes along with that? Or is there a, you know, company period where it's a newer upstart versus, a well, you know, uh, well entrenched company already. Is there any? Is there any similarities to those types of things? Well, sort of yes and no. I think when you 
look at Fortune 500s, for example, and big, giant, established companies, you see the tendency is to want to kind of go back to as much as possible the way you know we had it. But that's not hard and fast. You know, I, I think it really varies company to company. And you know, the financial industry, I think they tend to be want to be more hands-on. I've noticed. Uh, but I've seen, you know, startups or tech companies, they want to be together to collaborate, solve problems. I mean, there's something about being able to stand at a whiteboard, you know, yeah, yeah. and talk to your, you know, and brainstorm yeah. that, you know, is valuable. And, you know, it's hard to replace that on a Zoom call. But on the other hand, the technology is so much better, right? I mean, if if this pandemic happened 10 years ago, we would have been dead in the water. Zoom didn't exist, yeah, you sure. know, I mean, it was, you know, Skype was crappy. I mean, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, it, we didn't have the tech, right, to support yeah. it. So, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the culture of a company and the leadership of a company more than the type of company. Yeah. We've seen a lot of variation, you know, it's kind of amazing. Um, so that's why we study every company and talk to each company individually and talk to their employees when we're planning space because um, it is pretty individual to each company and, and where they sit, in, you know, uh, geographically. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because I don't know if, you know, we, we have a lot, we have a lot going on, but Demetrius had brought up, you, you mentioned the idea of being together and doing a whiteboard and there's just a different type of synergy and energy that goes along with that. Right. Um, I want to say a couple of weeks back, the, we were talking about your whole virtual world or whatever, <laughs> metaverse. Call, metaverse or whatever. I don't know if you've heard of this thing. Yeah. It sounds scary as hell to me, but um, yeah. you know, do you think, you know, talking with a lot of people and meeting with so many different people that that from your, you know, from your experience, do you think that would actually help solidify that feeling if you had so many remote, but then you could hop into like this virtual room where you could literally see everybody and try and get that whiteboard effect? Well, yeah, I mean, Dang it. actually, yes, I do. <laughs> I think that, and the reason is, you know, technology is going to keep going, right? It's mm. going to keep evolving and we're going to have cooler stuff and, you know, it's going to hopefully become easier. Because right now, I think that, like, for example, we're starting to have conferences, again, right? Mm. And so what we're seeing is we have a whole bunch of people or some people that really want to show up and do show up to conferences. And then we have other people that want to be there, but, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to travel or they, they're yeah. nervous or whatever their family situation. So they zoom in and it's super clunky. Hmm. This hybrid model is very clunky right now. Right. So it, it, it shows you the opportunity for better technology to help us solve those things. And I think, you know, the longer the pandemic goes, and God, Hopefully now the Delta variant is is diminishing and hopefully we won't have another one pop up, but who knows after all this. Anyway, there will be reasons to continue to, to develop the technology. You know, I think about gamers, right? Because they live in a virtual environment and they make friends with people they've never met. And, you know, that, that happens and that exists. And they collaborate on games, you know, in there and, you know, things like that go on. So can you apply those things, gaming technology to, or even better, this, you know, even uh, more expanded to the work environment? And I think, yes, we are going to see that. 
surrogates man like that movie surrogates i'm telling <laughs> yeah, you yeah <laughs> it's it's yeah i don't know but um you know it's interesting uh, space you know office space is you know and if i was an office building owner right now i'd be Lord. you know over the last year and a half i'd be uh reticent to be sure because i you just don't understand you, you, we really still don't know where it's going to go i think the space itself though i think is is becoming cooler space more usable space um our whole approach is to make it lively and fun space that's that people would want to come to and want to experience at least some days a week to do their you know team meetings collaboration maybe come in and spend a day at the office to reconnect with colleagues i mean that's important that human contact i think is important and so i think we're going to find our way but i mean for our firm you know we're doing same we're learning from our clients i mean our leases are coming up and you know we're not necessarily taking bigger space mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore mm-hmm. you know yeah. we're just trying to make our space cooler and make it work for what's going to happen you know what our employees need uh, to be uh, their most productive and happy from from a from a uh, from an admin standpoint i know you said you guys were able to flip to kind of the remote thing extremely quick which is great yeah. um from a management standpoint, what do you see that spread look like going forward? Is it kind of, do you mandate having to be in office a certain amount of time or not? Like, what does that flexibility look like for you guys? Yeah, um, and we're seeing all kinds of variations of that yeah. from our clients. And uh, and again, I think it depends on the geography a little bit, at least at least so far, uh, you know, and the, what the rules are. But for us, um, I think eventually we're going to end up with some sort of, if not mandate, strong suggestion that we have everyone in the office X number of days a week, whether that be two or three or whatever it is, you know, uh, encouraging people to come in and collaborate. Um, I think the one thing that's been in all of our leaders around the company have learned, you know, it takes extra effort from our leadership to make sure they're keeping their teams connected, keeping the one-on-one conversations with each team member going, you know, when you have to do it over Zoom, it's, you know, it's obviously much more difficult, but we've, you know, I think that's one of the things our leaders really paid attention to and tried to adapt to and tried to fill in those gaps. It's, It's so easy to walk through the office and stop at someone's desk and have an impromptu chat, right? Yeah. With this stuff, I mean, it's hard to have an impromptu chat on Zoom. It's very intentional. You're going to, you know, set up a time to talk to somebody. Uh, you might buzz somebody up on Teams and they may be available and they may not, you know. So it's it's that sort of thing that I think that if there's a downside or there's, a you know, something that's maybe a little less desirable, it's I think it's that. It's that piece. I agree, you know? yeah. Before we get out of here, I wanted to give our listeners some insight into what their space could look like, because there's pretty much three avenues. As a owner of a company, you're either going to have a company that's hybrid, full remote, or full in office. What do those three situations look like from a design perspective? Let me address full remote, because that, I think only happens under duress and it i think it's a very small percentage of companies when we're past all this that Mm -hmm. would be fully remote um for some of the reasons we've already talked about Mm -hmm. 
but they there are well, there may be some you know um, because you know it's it's very interesting some and I'm sure you've you've read it and, you know I know about a lot of people that have moved to Idaho and Montana and you know places remote that they're just like well I'll just work you know I'll live up there my real estate's less expensive I have an awesome view of the mountains and I can work right yeah so to come to the office is a lot more effort now I'm gonna fly in every couple of weeks or whatever it is. So I think, you know, the vast majority of companies will end up in some sort of hybrid mode and they will assess based on their own culture, how many days a week people are going to be coming in. And then they will, you know, strategize the size of their real estate based on that. And I'm not saying the real estate is necessarily going to be smaller. It's just, you know, they, they may need a lot more, collaboration and team space than they ever had before and fewer assigned desks because at any given time they may only have 50% of their people in the office. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're going to see all kinds of that. Yeah. And I think we're going to see once again, a small percentage uh, and maybe it's very specific to an industry or a kind of a company or maybe just based on a leader that is going to say, well, we're going to be in the office 100% again. Mm -hmm. You know, I think early on, there were some companies that were still saying those things because <laughs> <laughs> they were like, well, we're just going to get through this and we're going to go back. I think what well, you've seen like the other press, I mean, you know, there's a record number of people changing jobs, right? This yeah. year, crazy. Um, and so I think people are going to want to have the flexibility. Right. And if they don't get it, they'll probably go somewhere where they can find it. Mm -hmm. So I think the two ends of the spectrum are going to be small. And, the, and then we're going to have this vast, you know, sort of gray area, various forms of this uh, hybrid. Yeah. On the all in office side, does that design change or do you think that is pretty much what we are previously used to? Well, I well, the answer is I think it does change because okay. I think what's going to happen is any company that has a mandate for 100% in the office will end up changing. <laughs> okay. That's what I believe. I just don't think it's realistic. Yeah, We were already headed this direction anyway. Like I said, it, we just accelerated it because yeah. it was forced. You know, I think we all had departments and offices, at least we did, even within our firm that said, well, geez, you know, when we, when we started our experiments with this agile work, we had some departments that said, ah, oh, you know, our team has to stock and work together and look at each other's screens and we gotta, we can't work remote. Yeah. You know, it was those words. We can't work remote. Yeah. Well, okay, so they were forced <laughs> into it the last year and a half, and now they certainly can work remote. They yeah. they get it. They've learned how, right? So I think that's way that you know, we're just in the in the next evolution right now. Yeah. And then on the, I just wanted to touch on the full remote side. Does office go 100% away or do you still think people will have to obtain some sort of real estate to have a space for a conference room at the minimum just to get people to, to have those kind of spaces? Yeah. And you know, um, this idea preceded the pandemic in the, in the form of WeWork, right. And mm -hmm. those companies that are like them. And um, 
you know, for a lot of companies that was working pretty well. Now, is there corporate headquarters in, you know, WeWork? Well, yeah, there were some, are some, you know, depending on, and maybe there were smaller companies. I, I know a company here in town that really doesn't have office space. They are 100% remote and have been, and but they have a WeWork space that they come together when they need to and use conference rooms and a little bit of space in there and, and then they blow out again. So absolutely, there are companies that w- actually were doing that and will do that for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you so much, Larry. Uh, really informative. Love chatting with you again and catching up. For people that want to find out more about where Malcolm or follow along with you and, and your artwork and everything, give us a few places that we can find you. Oh, of course. Well, I appreciate you having them, uh, me on. And it was, as usual, the time flies during the conversation. <laughs> so I always enjoy talking to you, Demetrius and Jason, about these topics. But, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you can find our all everything on where Malcolm at our website, which is wheremalcolm.com and um, with a B W A R E M A L C O M B. And, um, and we're all over every social media platform, Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, etc. So, uh, and we have, um, we have a YouTube channel too. So we have, some stuff on there, some cool videos and stuff. You can find my art. Uh, I'm I'm online, Lawrence uh, Armstrong or Lawrence Robert Armstrong. Uh, you know, mostly I post on Instagram and LinkedIn. And then uh, my website is lraart.com. So you can find my stuff there and see my where I'm exhibiting and uh, and see my new work if you want to look at that. Uh, I do enjoy looking at that. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Larry. Uh, Thanks again, Jason. Thank you to the listeners for listening. And we'll talk again next week. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLamey, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. 
In Season 1, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.